Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You are listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, the show that looks at tech, film, entertainment, YouTube, even your favorite billboards, because in the end, everything is an ad. I am your host and Adweek's creative and inclusion editor, Shannon Miller. And typically sitting to my proverbial right is our international editor, David Greiner, However, today we are doing things a little bit differently. I am joined by two of my, and I'm an editor, so I know this isn't a word, but two of my favoritest people in the world. Um, (laughs) They are um, the shining stars of our digital editor team. I am joined by Colin Daniels. Hello, Colin. Hello, hello. And Miss Chloe Gold. Hi. Hey. I am so glad that you guys are returning today to join us on the podcast. And I am also really excited to dig into today's subject. Now, by the time you are listening to this, dear listener, it is the end of um, a very interesting Black History Month, question mark. I do not know how to explain um, all of the happenings of this month. It's been challenging it's been weird it's been a little bit off kilter it's just kind of the sign of the times i cannot remember the last time we had just a normal smooth black history month that didn't include (laughs) premature death of royalty and like just just an odd odd time but um i say all of that to say that when you have moments of joy that present themselves, you have to sort of grab them when you can. And nothing has been more joyous to me than Adweek's Profiles in Black Creativity series, which we are taking a moment to kind of dig into today. Now, if you have missed it or just didn't get a chance to take a look, um, it is a content series that takes a look at the ad industry's shining black talent, of which there is a lot. Um, it was created by agency owner Derek Walker three years ago, 
And it started as sort of a humble but very necessary Twitter thread and has blossomed into something much, much bigger. And I actually had the opportunity to talk to him about it. So take a listen to a little bit of that story now. On Facebook, I had been doing, among friends and family, Black History Moments for, for February. And a friend of mine who's a historian, a Black historian, took that over. He, he decided to do it. He's much more qualified than I am to do Black history. Mm-hmm. So I said, I was sitting around bored, and I went, well, cool. What, would it, what if I did one on Twitter and LinkedIn? And I did advertising people. And uh, I actually, that was January, it was three, four years ago now. So it was January like 18th, I decided to do it. I sent out the email January 19th or whatever. And people just started going, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I just wrote the profiles. We wrote, wrote the questions, wrote the profiles. But it was just a spur of the moment. We have as advertising people, we get this idea, oh, what if we did it? And I just... I was like, well, what if we do this? And th- didn't put any thought into it, apparently. And it, it, I was surprised. I really was surprised how well it went. Since it was a labor of love, you don't have that expectation that, you know, everything's going to be perfect. It's me giving everybody their flowers. You know, you, you see people, it's, it's like seeing folks who everybody's forgotten. We know Carol H. Williams did Strong enough for a man, but made for a woman, for um, secret. We don't know Harry Weber did, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, and I'm stuck on Band-Aids. Oh, wow. So in celebrating the young ones, we need to go back and show the young ones, hey, look, there's some old folks who did some beautiful stuff. So that was, I was trying to, you, you know, it was a balance. I wanted to encourage them by saying, hey, look, yeah, you're, you're the only, you're, you may be the only one at the agency now, but understand that in the 70s and 80s, there was a group of great black folks blazing a path for you and history just erased. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So as you heard, it was definitely a project um, or rather a labor of love that was born out of necessity and has blossomed into what you see now, which is the sprawling daily um, look at just how vast the Black talent in the ad industry is. So I invited Chloe and Colin to join us to talk a little bit about that, because aside from myself, these are probably two of the people that saw um, just about every profile that has ended up on our site. Um, And Chloe has had the very enduring task of editing most of it. So Chloe, can you talk to me a little bit about your experience in editing the series? Yeah, this was such an incredible experience, honestly. Um, It was, you know, I, I still consider myself relatively new to the ad space. And so getting, you know, one profile after another, day in, day out, you know, through throughout this entire month of creatives and people who are, you know, just really kicking ass and taking names in their field. It was so, um, I don't know, it was really special and it was really, um, you know, it's important highlighting, highlighting creatives, um, who are in marginalized communities is so important. I mean, like highlighting anyone in marginalized communities is, you know, incredibly important. Um, i yeah, I just I found out about a lot of people who I really want to follow, like want to follow their career and their, you know, creative journeys. Um yeah, it was it was really great. And Colin, I know that we are outside of being editors, we are also black creatives ourselves. I mean, like it's you're very hard pressed to find um any person or any black person in media that only does one thing (laughs) they're um, editing and doing music or editing and doing podcasting editing and fashion design there's always like just a a a crop like an intersection of creativity so as a creator and as an editor what did this series mean to you i really like kind of like what you just mentioned on how people have their hand in so many things and um, as a person growing up who ha- liked music, who liked advertising, who liked marketing, liked a lot of things, it was just really nice and refreshing to see how these different creatives were able to tie in either their love of music and an ad or their love for um, authenticity and bring like just different worlds and different aspects of what they do in a daily life into just one project. So I feel like a lot of times growing up, we feel like we can only do one thing and that's it and how we have to keep those worlds separate. And I feel like um, uh, intertwining thread through all of the series is like showing people showing how no you can be a dancer and use your dance influence into this or be a DJ and use your DJ influence whenever you're creating this ad and I really liked seeing that theme because I feel like a lot of young people coming up and just people starting out in their careers feel like they have to choose just one thing and that things can't overlap and I feel like this was a good example and template that things can't overlap and you can do more than one thing and they will influence and uh, serve hand in hand with each other. Absolutely. I think that there was like a running theme through a lot of these profiles. It's that they they have their jobs. 
they have their their creative jobs at agencies or or brands. Um, but what I liked was that it wasn't so tied to their everyday day-to-day work. A lot of it was just about highlighting their specific creativity, which exists outside of the business hours um, for a lot of a lot of these folks. And a lot of them have left the agency world entirely and created platforms all of their own that have a huge impact on the ad industry in ways that I don't think a lot of people really understand. Like you, there's, there are a ton of really incredible campaigns that we've seen over the past year, two years, three years, that would not have happened if these specific Black creators were involved. And it really goes to show just how much, you know, marginalized talent really powers this industry with very, very little recognition. And so what I loved about Derek's initiative was that he was sort of, as he mentioned, um, sort of giving visibility to the mostly invisible, which means something totally different for marginalized folks versus, you know, white creators. Um, And I just loved that this sort of does its little part to level the playing field just a little bit. Um, And I also really liked that it really opened even my eyes. As a person who like looks at this stuff day in, day out, you tend to forget like how sprawling creativity is that it doesn't just exist in creative agencies. It exists on the brand side. It exists in nonprofits. Um, It exists like in indie work. Like there is, I thought that this was going to be like 28 to 30 ad agency creatives. And they were actually people from just all over that have a chance to participate and, uh, improve this industry. So I, I thought that it was just a really eye-opening series. Um, and it was, it was so eye-opening for a lot of people that as we started to um, ask for nominations, I got emails every day like, oh, can I nominate this person? It's like, oh, we had this wrapped up a while ago. So no, but I would love to meet them and get to know them so that we can honor them, not just, you know, next Black History Month, but throughout the year. It doesn't, it shouldn't stop after this month. And that goes for like literally any creative. Um, But it was just, it's just really opened the door to like the need to appreciate and celebrate these, this, this great, great talent. Um, So with that, I know it's, at this point, I don't think anyone knows this, but on Monday, because this will air on Monday, so by, by that time we will have aired profile number 28. And we're actually going to have two bonus profiles that will go up the next day, rounding it out to 30. So there are a lot to choose from, but I'm wondering if either of you had any, any favorites or any particular creatives that really stood out to you during this process. Chloe? Yes. Okay. So um, honestly, a couple um, really did stand out to me. Um, The one that I'm kind of thinking about a little bit more this week is um, Jasmine Reyes. Reyes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She was a recent profile and 
Um, the video clip that we included, like one of her, um, you know, shining pieces of work was for, um, it was a PSA for Boston Alliance of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Youth, Queer, uh, Queer Youth, also known as Bagley. Um, and it was a pro bono work, which, you know, in and of itself is cool as hell. You know, mm-hmm. we love, we love people being creative to help other people. And we love people, you know, working together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm thinking about that now, um, you know, this week in particular with the recent, um, I I can't say the F word here, um, nonsense in both Texas and Florida, we'll use that word. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, it's really underscoring for me, just like how important it is for, um, like for communities to support and uplift each other. Um, and it highlights, you know, how important it is to recognize intersectionality with all different identities. So, um, mm-hmm. I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. I'm rambling a little bit. I, nope. you know, her, her profile really spoke to me. <laughs> her work is, you know, incredible. And you can totally say the F word here. It's fuckery. It is absolute yeah, fuckery. Happening yeah. in <laughs> Texas and Florida. No, we can slap next. We're adults. We can slap an elite. It's fine. Fuckery, Michigas, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not great over there. Yeah. And what I loved about that is that it really spoke to her passion mm-hmm. for that work. And anyone who's ever done pro bono work um, knows in, in any capacity, it is real tough to, you know, make any of that work, even with a decent budget. So when you're working with a small budget, um, the what she was able to accomplish there was pretty tremendous. We can actually play a clip um, from that and sort of give our folks at home a little bit of an idea of her amazing work. Of course my refrigerator's running, so what kind of question is that? Yeah, I can't wait to see you either. Bye-bye. So, you're here to learn how to live audaciously, yes? (laughs) Fabulous. Because if there's one thing you should have, it's the audacity. Oh, and no one has more audacity than my friends at Bagley. Bagley's a youth-led social justice community providing support and health resources for LGBTQ plus youth. All right, enough stalling. We now present to you Bagley's Guide for Audacious Living. Take it away, friends. So what I got an attitude. Bitch, I got an attitude. So what I got an attitude. Bring out the audacity in others. Protect your community. Find your family. (laughs) Know that femme isn't frail. Existing is an act of resistance. Stand up for what's right and have a good time doing it. From the ballroom to the ballot, black and trans people have paved the way. So, yeah, I get, having an opportunity to celebrate her um, was really, really cool. And she is a New York-based creative. I believe she's with Townhouse New York now. Um, so I'm really excited to see what she has planned in the future because what she was able to pull together with um, so little was pretty incredible. Um, Colin, what about you? 
Jasmine actually was one of the ones that stood out to me, but also what stood out to me from her was her drive, how she was saying how, oh, I can't wait to travel so I can uh, do more and how she was thinking of the next thing. And I feel like a lot of times we feel like we have to limit ourselves and be like, oh, let me wait a bit until I jump on the next thing. And how she was just like hungry for it. She was like, I'm ready to go for the next the next big thing. Um, and I, I love hearing and seeing people like that who just are constantly striving for what's next and just trying to be the best version of themselves and really make a true impact. Um, mm-hmm. And outside of Jasmine, uh, Carlisle Garrick really stuck out to me with his um, iPhone spot. And what I really liked um, about his piece was how he spoke to authenticity. And I feel like that's so key and so important because especially within the marketing and ad space, a lot of times um, we struggle with trying to find that authentic, 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 authentic voice. <laughs> and um, I feel like it's a lot of times people are like, oh, like this is uh, how we can market to the Latinx community. This is how we can market to the black community. This will get them or whatever. And it hasn't, it just does not work because it's not, doesn't speak to the voice and how I really liked how he said that I felt seen with this. And I feel like when you really are speak, uh, going to your core and really speaking to yourself first, that helps transition to whatever you're trying to make, because if it's impacting you and you're feeling a way about it, then that's going to help translate to your audience and whoever you're trying to market. And I mm-hmm. feel like he really, um, stuck with that with his um iphone um campaign and how he really was saying how i felt seen like i felt like uh, i could really see myself in this and this felt true and genuine and i feel like that's what a lot of marketers and advertisers are trying to learn now that to tap into marketing with different communities especially marginalized communities you can't just do like a blanket Mm -hmm. (laughs) slate with it you have to Mm -hmm. truly hire black creators, hire uh, Latinx creators, hire the communities that you are trying to reach so you can create that authentic voice and really reach them in a deeper uh, level besides like the surface. And I really liked how he did that. Yeah, that was definitely a persistent through line through a lot of these creatives that I really liked. Um, just the discussion about what authenticity looks like. Um, because if you are in this day in, day out like us, um, you will get a lot of um, oh goodness, how do I put this? So you'll get a lot of rhetoric about authenticity from people who clearly need a little bit of a, of a refresher on what authenticity is. So it's a lot of, well, we sort of spoke to members of this group to really get an authentic voice. And it's like, cool, it would have been better if you had hired them and let them sort of shape their own narrative. And there's a difference between um, you know, proximity and intimacy. And I, it's really about making sure that, you know, you are giving these creatives the room to tell whatever story resonates with them. And that's going to resonate naturally with other folks from that community, not necessarily everybody, because the communities are never a monolith, but just having that understanding that, you know, these folks are going to always have the best understanding of how to speak to their own community is going to set you on the best path to just really great creative. And I really liked Carlisle's, um, his sort of outlook as well. Um, Cause I believe he was, he was the creative that was like, I want to set the path for other creators, you know, that come behind me and I want them to make me irrelevant, which that's it at the end of the day, right? Is that you just hope that you leave enough of a legacy to where it's like what you did may be a big deal, but it's like, 
at that at our time, but it may not be a big deal 10 years from now because now everybody is is doing it and just sort of pitching in and making it a better place. So I, I thought that that was really, really cool. Um, there have been so many creatives through this. What I really liked about this year is that I, I think for a lot of us that, um, that nominated, because we, there was a lot of discussions internally about um, who could be included. And we were just like, oh my God, this is actually time to shine a spotlight on people who have been doing work for years and have never been able to like crack through the surface and get that visibility. Like I, this was like an opportunity for me to honor um, uh, Joy Child over at Netflix Film to talk about um, Kayla Sutton Meyer, who is over at uh, Prime Video, who has basically piloted a whole separate nerd-based platform platform called um, um, Phenology PV. And it's like, she's been literally doing this for a decade. <laughs> and so it's incredible to see her go from like a indie creator and an indie marketer to like getting to pilot this huge, huge platform. But one of my favorite, favorite profiles um, was of Majority's Jess Noel. And there's a really interesting story behind this. So when we asked for submissions, uh, Majority's co-founder, Omid Farhang, was one of the first to hit me up and say, we need to honor Jess. Like literally everything that Majority has done that has made waves she's had a significant hand in. And I was like, great, because we had covered so much of Majority's stuff before. So it's no secret that I love a lot of their work last year, so much that I we named them one of the agencies to look out for in 2022. So I was like, if you like it, I love it. Days later, Omid <laughs> emails me again and is like, um, so... We need to change her title. Um, and I, I can't remember what her previous title was, but we need to change it to Associate Director of Creative Strategy. And I was like, oh, great. Um, sounds like she got a promotion or she changed her job. And he was like, well, it is a promotion that she's not going to know about <laughs> until this profile goes live. So the agency used the Profiles in Black Creativity series to promote one of uh, their own doing incredible work um, without telling her, which I think is pretty cool. Um, we get promotion mentions all the time. We get these announcements, but every single time those people that are getting promoted are in on it. So I can't imagine me waking up one morning and ad week posting an uh, article that's like, oh yeah, Shannon's the EIC now. It's like, what? Excuse me? So <laughs> it's, it's cool that this was um, an opportunity to bring a little bit of joy to somebody and she seemed really um, thrilled about it. And I, I think that that's um, just incredibly special. And if there's one thing that's better than recognizing how valuable black talent is, is um, stepping up to the plate and making sure that their literal value matches their creative value and, you know, giving them more money. I, I love it. I love it. So yeah, that was definitely one of my favorite things that we got to highlight. 
And yeah, I'm just really excited to be able to direct people to this really important initiative that we are hoping to really expand next year. Um, and I've been talking a little bit, I've been talking about that a little bit with Derek and I like 2022 is not even close to over. And I'm just already very excited for 2023 because there's just an opportunity to grow this really, really cool thing. Um, so yeah, I'm, if you have not had an opportunity to check that out, please visit adweek.com and take a look at the creatives that are getting some shine and a huge shout out to, um, our web art director, Trent, who made some really beautiful, beautiful art, um, that I could not have conceptualized by myself because my prototype did not come close to, to what he has dreamed up and has just created a really cool package for everyone to enjoy. Um, so aside from that, did either of you spot any other uh, Black History Month stories that you enjoyed? Um, I really liked, there was one, there was, a, I think it was like a voice piece that we had that was talking about like how to reach Black audiences in an authentic way. And I really liked that one because I feel like that's a conversation a lot of times people don't have and there are agencies and marketers who are trying to do it who don't want to do just like the black square whenever somebody passes away or something that are actually trying to do something impactful and I feel like that was one of the uh, first pieces that I've seen that really laid it out from A to Z for somebody who's like I want to do more than just a blanket post or I want to actually make an impact and do something uh, aside of just putting out a a shelf of black authors when people walk in the door. Like I want to do impact. And I feel like that piece really laid out um, great steps of how to really make the impact and do something beyond just a blanket statement for, um, for reaching the black audiences and really marketing and really reaching them in an authentic manner. So that one really stuck out with me because I feel like that was a really good job of a good overview on it. And that is um, titled a crash course in brand authenticity when supporting the black community that was written by um, global head of CRM loyalty and consumer insights at Elemis, Layla Rice. And yeah, that was a really nice delve into an overdue conversation about, you know, how brands tend to engage the black community. And it, it does tend to, Um, Dig into the cringe side. So if you want to take a look at something that really just makes it plain, then we definitely recommend taking a look at that story. Um, Chloe, what about you? Yeah, so there's another voice piece that went up yesterday, and the title is Understanding Black Skepticism of DEI. Um, And I, I thought that this piece was so important in in a multitude, multitude of ways. Like, so obviously DEI initiatives are critical and like they are important, but, you know, with that, there is skepticism that comes, you know, from employees when they're, when their bosses and, you know, companies put out DEI quote unquote initiatives. And the skepticism is, you know, A, is this actually going to happen? B, is it, you know, going to have the effect that people are hyping it up to be? And, you know, C is, you know, what's the follow through going to be? Like, is there going to be an overhaul of uh, company culture? Is there going to be, you know, an overhaul of hiring practices and promotional practices? And so I think that this piece was so 
it broke down, you know, why, why people like specifically black employees and agencies are, you know, skeptical of these DEI initiatives. And um, the author of the article, Adriana Crawford, made some really incredible points on it. And it wasn't, I don't know, like it wasn't accusatory in any way, but it's very, you know, um, yeah, it's to the point. She does not mince words. And I think that everyone needs to be, you know, first of all, reading this article because everyone needs to be aware of it. And also just like, we need to have these conversations and we need to, you know, have conversations that are meaningful and not just taking a box and not just, you know, filling some sort of bullshit quota. Like we actually have to have talks about DEI and have talks about, you know, being anti-racist and like just completely, you know, addressing um, societal and systemic issues, you know, globally and also just within our own micro communities of companies. Like these conversations have to be had. They have to, you know, be continuous and actual action needs to happen from them. And so, you know, we, we published multiple articles about this issue. I think that this one, um, I guess it's like, it's the most recent one because it came out yesterday afternoon, but like it, it lays out the issues and it gives um, advice on how, how to address skepticism, how to, you know, make, how to, I guess, get people on board for lack of a better term, but, you know, like not a superficial way, just, you know, you know, encourage, like encourage action and not just conversation. Yeah. Um, I I think that there's been a lot of hand wringing about how to move beyond these sort of canned statements that were really popular during the summer of 2020 um, after the murder of George Floyd. Um, So this did a really great job of saying like, we, you know, we're years out and the work still hasn't really been done at a, a like foundational level. So yeah, it's, I don't think people outside of those who work with DEI every single day have a true understanding of kind of how exhausting (laughs) these conversations are because we've been having them repeatedly for years So, yeah, I think touching on that skepticism and making it comprehensive to the person that might think that, oh, things are a little bit better because no one is like actively shouting anymore is um, really important and um, super, super useful. And yeah, and also just very cathartic to read because it's like, yeah, we are tired. <laughs> this is of uh, a very, very exhausting topic. And so to just sort of have that in writing is just really, really necessary. Um, one of my favorite things sort of to switch gears here um, came from our senior editor, T.L. Stanley. She did a really expansive piece on how three Black vegan experts are making plant-based living more accessible. And it featured Francesca Cheney, Pinky Cole, and one of my favorite people in the world, Tabitha Brown. And um, it talked about how they are leading with a judgment-free attitude um, because there is a lot of hesitance to talk about veganism um, and a lot of that is stemmed by um, sort of like majorly visible vegetarian and vegan groups. We don't have to call any of them by name because we already know what they are because 
a lot of the marketing that they use is um, very like fear mongering and judgmental and it's steering a lot of people away. But you have these three um, black women that are finding ways to present uh, plant-based living specifically to the black community because a lot of food insecurity and food deserts um, impact black communities the most, but it's applicable to everybody that has any sort of like general curiosity about moving into plant-based food. Um, And I just thought she did a really bang up job with sort of laying out the things that they're doing, like planning the opening of restaurants in places that are known for having food deserts or major food insecurity, or like a Tabitha Brown, who is just a joy everywhere and doing like YouTube little kid shows. Have either of you watched the show on YouTube? I love Tabitha. So you already know I have. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't yet. It's, it's on my to watch list. Um, but I really enjoyed that article also, especially so like, um, I'm vegan and you know, this article was so poignant and so just, you know, it, it hit all the marks and, um, I, I don't know. So like I'm on vegan Twitter constantly. And like one of the primary topics is like the racial divide in, you know, plant-based living and vegan living and like vegan activism. And Mm -hmm. it is an issue and no one wants to talk about it, but like, we have to talk about it. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I thought that, you know, this article is fantastic, like fantastically written and also just highlighting, you know, three black women in the vegan space who are just doing phenomenal work. Yeah, and geographically, it was super thorough because you mm-hmm. have um, Tabitha, who is now based in LA, um, Pinky Cole, who is doing things in the South, and um, Francesca, who is up north. So a lot of times, when you know someone sort of brings up how easy it is to be vegan or how accessible it already is, they will bring up one singular store mm-hmm. in like <laughs> the corner of Brooklyn. And it's like, cool, as a person who lives in Florida, how does this help me? But um, this kind of like hit a little bit more of a sort of geographical leniency. And with Pinky Cole, who has plans to open up stores, um, I think her and Francesca have plans to open up more stores. And then uh, Pinky has like, food coming to grocery stores. Now we're going to get a little bit more of a level playing field when it comes to the accessibility to plant-based food. So it's, I thought it was just really cool and very thoughtful and and TL did such a great job of really thinking through all the points of like, okay, why why are people who are curious about plant-based living not able to access plant-based products? And then went and found three people who are trying to solve these sort of long lasting problems that have sort of plagued the issue. So I, I just thought it was really great. And uh, as someone who has been kind of curious about plant-based living for a while, I felt like I had a little bit more of a solid bedrock to pursue that after giving it a good read. So definitely take a look at that um, if you have not had an opportunity to. 
Um, but yeah, I, it's been a really productive um, Black History Month for Ad Week. And I'm just really excited to sort of carry this energy throughout the year and to sort of expand on how marginalized talent is, you know, really shaping and progressing our industry as well as branding and other industries and um, social issues that, you know, impact us both as consumers and as people that kind of work in marketing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a weird Black History Month outside of Ad Week's walls, but inside Ad Week, it's been pretty great. And I'm really excited to take a look at it next year. Do either of you have any parting thoughts before um, we head out? Just that this, I feel we have, we had such a good, we highlighted such a good group. And I feel like now whenever people are like, oh, I'm trying to find a black creative who does this or does that. Cause I feel like a lot of times we don't, we know that they're in the space, but we don't know like where to find them. And I feel like this now serves as a really good template for how to redirect people. And if they're looking for, uh, black marketers or other black creatives in the space then want to know like who's doing it and where they are and I feel like they were not just only in New York but they're coming from different geographical locations also where people can know like okay that person's kind of near me I can contact them to see if they could help me with this or okay like somebody that looks like me is doing it too so it, I'm not it's not just me who's trying and which mm-hmm. I really like I always like to see um, people of color um, who are in this space be like okay so that is possible. That is attainable. That is something that we can do. We can make space for that. We can see that. And so I really always like whenever that's highlighted um, to show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are a Black creative <coughs> who wants to learn more about this series and just wants to learn more about Advic in general and how you can potentially have your work spotlit by Adweek, please reach out to me at shannon.miller at adweek.com. I would love to meet you. I would love to hear from you. And just in general, Adweek would love to get to know you and your work better. Um, But for now, I am so, so appreciative um, that you both were able to join me today, Chloe and Colin. I know that this um, has been an incredibly busy, well, it's always busy. I don't know of a day that is ever busy. So, for, but this month has been especially whirlwind and we are only now kind of winding down from the Super Bowl and, um, Black History Month. So taking time out of your busy schedules to talk to me about this today really means a lot. So I thank you both. Thank you, thank for, you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. Can't wait for you guys to join us again. And a huge shout out to David Greiner, who will be returning next week. Um, But for now, we thank you so much for listening in. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. If you haven't already, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, if you have any questions, please reach out to us at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. I'm Shannon Miller, and I will see you soon. Bye. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. 
And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan.